Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we are kicking off a brand new unit, uh, one of Anna's units that she has brought to the table. We are starting off uh, her unit on survival books. Yes. Uh, So, Anna, what's the deal? I... First of all, yes, I hate going outside. Fair. So any book that has to like be people outside, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not not that into it. Not into like I'm not into survival books. I'm not really into like books where people are camping okay. or you know I don't know. There's just I'm, I'm not into it. It's dull to me. Also, like with most survival books, I feel like it just turns into. A list of chores, which was our problem with <laughs> Laura Ingalls Wilder, right? It's just like a list of things that they have to do in order to survive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a survival genre. I get it. But also, I don't... That's, that's boring. It's the same issues every time. They need food. They need shelter. They need fire. And the whole story is going to revolve around these three things. It's the same formula every time. And also, usually, the main character is by themselves. And so there's no dialogue to even make that interesting. <laughs> it's just ruminations so the book that we started out with this week uh which is hatchet by gary paulson um had you read this before or was this your first i had i i think i read it in i want to say like third or fourth grade yeah i feel like i did too and i feel like upon rereading it that was a little shocking to me and there definitely was some stuff in this book that i did not remember being in this book like everything Mm -hmm. that wasn't the survival stuff which we'll, uh-huh. I'm sure, get into. Yeah, it, it was a little bit more MRAE than I kind of remembered it being. Yes, all of that bullshit with his mom, mm-hmm. I was very upset with. Yeah, very upset it was an with. interesting choice for sure. <laughs> he is definitely going to grow up to hate all women because of this divorce. Well, I guess it depends on um, which of the canons you go with because of course, okay. So this book was written in what the nineties um, by Gary Paulson. 90s I think it was written 80s, in 86. 80s. And then he went on to write four more books in this series, but like mm-hmm. with two different canons. So like, that's so weird to me. Yeah. So like he wrote one that was like a sequel. Cause at the end of this book, it's like, Oh, pr- probably Brian wouldn't survive if winter happened. And then he wrote a book that was like, but what if he did have to stay through the winter? Hmm. Makes one wonder, doesn't it? And then he wrote like a different sequel that does follow the like canon of this book. And then he wrote like two more that followed one of those. And I can't remember which one, but in any case, it's like, so there's like three books in one canon and two books in the other, but they're all part of the same series, but it's like it's five kind books of... too many. No, but I take it... it back. It's six books too many. Like this, <laughs> but it's kind of like one of them's fan fiction of the rest of the series. I don't know. Very weird. I mean, it worked like, out oh, for let him. Let me write a fix it fic from my own <laughs> right. work of fiction. Mm, I mean, okay. it clearly worked out for him because he sold like millions of copies of all of these, but uh, I I believe the point I was trying to make. I believe in one of those he has a very loose crush on a girl after he has decided to go live in the woods forever. But I don't think anything actually mm. comes out of it. Probably because she'll reject him and then he will murder her. <laughs> that is the vibe I get from Brian. What is his last name? Um, Robeson. Yeah, he doesn't seem. I mean, 
I almost wanted to say he doesn't seem like the most stable individual, but like also he kind of does in the sense that he's kind of just like a nothing, right? Like he's just very yes. blank slate, which I guess is kind of the purpose of survival books. I guess getting into who would we recommend this for? I mean, I guess if you really like watching Bear Grylls. Yeah. If this is your jam, like if you like outside... Yeah, it's not even if you like outside, because I don't <laughs> like outside. It's Do weird. Do you like outside? I Ew. don't. I don't like outside. <laughs> but I, I feel like I thought I thought I would like this book because I remember liking it as a kid, and I read like a lot of survival books as a kid, and I definitely didn't uh-huh. like outside. So I don't even think it's like you have to like outside to like survival books. I guess you just have to like chores. I don't know. Like, I don't really know what the appeal was to me. <laughs> oh, man, I wish there was more Florida vacuum today. <laughs> guess I better read Brian's song or whatever the <laughs> books are called. <laughs> no, Brian's song is that football book or football movie. God, Brian's saga, I think is the name of the I series. I think the series. And I believe Brian's hunt is one of them. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Brian's Song is a 1971 ABC movie of the week that recounts the details of the life of Brian Piccolo, a Chicago Bears football player, stricken with terminal cancer after turning pro. Wow, sounds like a real laugh riot. Sounds about as uh, uplifting as this book, so I mean. Yeah. Actually, it's probably significantly more. Usually the ones when where there's cancer involved is very saccharine, uplifting stuff in it. This one was kind of just like, well, could have died, but he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, that's literally the end. It was like, mm, he probably would have died if, if they hadn't been rescued. <laughs> cool. Bye. See you next book. It was very matter of fact. We're skipping way ahead. We are. But, Spoiler uh, alert. He gets saved. Like, there are sequels to this book. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of substance to this book. I really stretched myself to even come up with a page and a half of notes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it. I didn't take too many notes because... I'm not going to lie, guys. I skimmed a lot of this one. I read most of the first half pretty, like, on par. But after a point, it really did just become a list of the chores he was doing. And I didn't care anymore. (laughs) And here's the thing. The thing with this book. Because it is a book, there are lots of words. And the words are the thing about the book. It's very repetitive, is the book. (laughs) The thing about this book is it's repetitive. That's exactly how this guy writes. I'm not even exaggerating a little bit. I wasn't going to bring this up yet, but I was going to suggest that anyone who wanted to read this book start a drinking game where they drink every time, every time Brian knew something and we aren't told the thing that Mm. he knows. We're just told that he knows something. It's like, it'll be like all of a sudden Brian knew what was happening and then it will like explain what the thing is that Brian knew. And it's like, you don't have to tell me that Brian knew it. He's literally the only character in this book. I assume that if we're finding (laughs) out about it, it's because Brian knew about it. (laughs) Brian has been in the woods for four days. He knows everything about being in the woods. Oh my God. The part where he becomes a new man after five days. Okay. I'm getting ahead. I'm getting ahead. Okay. Yeah. Which like I don't e- I don't even know where that is in my notes. So just whenever you want to talk about it, throw it out. I think that was one of ridiculous. the two things I highlighted. So I'll let you know when we get there. Good, good deal. Okay, so Brian is a 13 year old boy who is flying up to somewhere in northern Canada to visit his dad because his parents have recently gotten divorced and he is like super traumatized about it. And I get it. At 13, 
a divorce would be pretty catastrophic to your life. But he goes, like, on to hate his mother with such ferocity because he thinks his dad doesn't know his mom met was, like, having an affair. Or, like, maybe an affair. We don't know. Brian saw I mean, the they secret. kissed. They, they kissed. did do a kiss. They did a kiss. But who's to say? Brian is, like, he's a 13-year-old boy who is not privy to his, all of his parents' inner thoughts and their private dialogues between each other, like, well, and I also, because I wanted to bring this up in relation to Brian also, but mm-hmm. Brian's father is an, a mechanical engineer with an oil company. Yes. So he works out in the oil fields, and I assume for about six months at a time, because from my limited knowledge of how such jobs work, usually you do stints, right? Like you do like six months out in the oil fields and you get like six months off so that you can have like mm-hmm. a normal life and family and stuff. Or possibly maybe it's like a three on three off situation, but it's, it's yeah. most likely he's out there for an extended period of time and then gets to come back to New York, right? Yeah, assumably. So like number one, Brian's mom is essentially being a single parent for like half of the year because of this situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that that justifies cheating, but perhaps... You know, we can cut her maybe a little slack if she was trying to find some adult, you know, friendship that, yes, you know, to alleviate the fact that her husband isn't around most of the time because of his job mm-hmm. or another possibility, just throwing it out there. Maybe they have an open marriage because like if I could be. was, you know, dipping out for six months of the year, I'd, they could have an arrangement. I'd kind of yeah. be like, OK, if my partner was, you know, getting certain needs met. I mean, let's be real. His dad probably has a second family. He's gone six months. Oh, yeah. He probably has a second family. (laughs) But all that aside, what crazy ass judge was like, you know how (laughs) I want visitation to work for this family? I could set it up (laughs) where his mother gets him for the six months of the year when his dad isn't in New York. And then his dad gets him for the time that he is. No, no. (laughs) Brian's going to go visit his dad during the summer when he has to go to the Canadian oil field. What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) Like, the dad presumably isn't doing anything in his, like, time off from his job. He should be the one in charge of Brian at that time. Why are we shipping Brian to an oil field? What batshit judge made this call? I I don't understand. I... (laughs) (laughs) What oil field is letting a 13-year-old live there? What's happening? Well, and the other thing, too, would be... So, okay, so say, like, this could be a situation where they do have... There's, like, a small town that's Mm -hmm. surrounding the oil plant that is specifically for employees and their families. So he probably could live there, but... Considering how much, like, Brian seems to blame his mother for all of this, I'm sure at 13 years old, the judge was like, who would you like to have custody of you and he would have been like my dad like i don't want to live with this whore bitch like yes (laughs) which like he does in the text like on page like four he's like my mom is a whore bitch it does say that (laughs) those exact words Uh (laughs) actually it says she was a whore a bitch kind of whore a whore bitch this is the thing brian knows (laughs) brian knew the truth the secret the truth about his mother the whore the bitch the truth the (laughs) but yeah so then he goes on he calls this kiss the secret and he's like i didn't know if i should tell my dad 
And at the end of the book, he's like, I still didn't tell my dad about it because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But I'm like, you're gonna, you're trying to tell me that his dad doesn't already know, like that that didn't come out in the divorce. Come on, come on. But also, like, let's look at this from a narrative standpoint, right? So, mm-hmm. like, narratively, the story of this is Brian gets lost in the woods and learns about himself and how to be a man. He becomes a man. Becomes a man and kills some fish and some dumb birds and then gets rescued and goes back to civilization. Okay, so that's the narrative arc, which isn't a good one to start because like it's 200 pages of that by the way, and it takes it takes 60 pages for the plane to even crash. So, that's cool. In addition to that arc of Brian versus Wilderness, we have Brian's conflict about his mother and like how to mm-hmm. deal with it. Mhm. And that never gets resolved. I nope. thought at some point, like... The parents never reappear in the book. Nope. Like, even at the end. I thought, like, maybe there'd be some scene with him, like, f- hunting a rabbit or something. And, like, in his mind's eye, the rabbit is his mother. And then, like, he, like... This is how I'll kill that kills, bitch whore. <laughs> kills the rabbit, but then feels, like, guilty about it. Or, like, realizes life is complicated or something. I don't know. Like... One way or the other that he's either like, oh, yeah, my mom sucks and I don't want to be around her and I'm going to tell my dad or be like, they're adults and being an adult in the world means making complicated life choices and I don't know the yep. whole situation and I must move on with forgiveness. One I of am the a two. child and I cannot understand adult relationships. <laughs> but it's literally like at the beginning, he's confused and a little mad at his mom. And at the mm-hmm. end, he's confused and a little mad at his mom. And I'm like, yeah, why did we have this at all? What was the point? It, the book does say, oh, I for a while, Brian thought his parents were going to get back together. But then they didn't. <laughs> then they didn't. So it's like, why did we bring any of this up? Why was the divorced parents? Why did a- any of it matter? It, it didn't characterize him at all. It didn't. It added nothing to the story. Like, it, it added no, like, it was completely different plot lines that had no effect on each yep. other. And both didn't resolve. Like, neither of them, he didn't <laughs> learn anything. He just <laughs> shot some birds. I don't understand. oh well i'm glad we spent time on that part of the book like so many pages thank you gary paulson i feel like maybe gary has some unrequited or not unrequited unresolved feelings about his relationship with his mother maybe it kind of gave me that vibe that like what was the other book we read where i was just like oh man i feel like the writer just really is going through a divorce right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't know I Gary remember. Paulson's life. I haven't looked into it. Maybe he's happily married. Maybe he's never been married. I don't know. But like, I was His just author like, picture looks jolly. And I mean, I, I also do get that like, there's value, especially in the eighties, I'll say of maybe just having a character whose parents are going through a divorce. Cause like, that's kind of on the uptick in the 80s and a lot of kids are going yep. through it. And maybe it would just be nice to have that be like a thing that the character is experiencing without it being the whole point of the story. But yeah. in 2020, it's weird. <laughs> I didn't like it. So Brian Brian is flying in one of those little planes, the, the small plane. And the only other passenger is the pilot. Which and by definition for- is not a passenger. <laughs> The only other person in the plane is the pilot, (laughs) who is, in fact, driving the plane and not just sitting in it. Um, And unfortunately for Brian, the pilot 
has some really bad gas and a pain in his chest, and then he dies of a heart attack in the middle of the flight <laughs> in the air. And Brian knew. <laughs> what Brian it was. knew he was dead. Brian knew it was what it was. And then it like tells us how Brian knew, which was that he once saw an old man have a heart attack at the grocery store. Except it doesn't use the words heart attack. It just like explains him seeing it. And then it's like, Brian knew it was a heart attack. And I'm like, literally everybody was aware. <laughs> I don't know. We got it. He's clutching at his chest. Left arm hurts. <laughs> got it. It's kind of like um in the, uh, what was the one that we just read? The um, becoming the worm inside the worm. Inside the worm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they did become the worm. Yes. Where they had to like, anytime a kid explain something the author felt the need to be like oh this is how the kid knew that they had read it in a book and it's like you can i i will accept a world in which children know things occasionally they're allowed to know things you don't have to explain to me how they know things because you don't have to slumdog millionaire this for me (laughs) (laughs) brian has to attempt to fly the plane until it runs out of gas but the pilot in the midst of his heart attack, has pushed the plane off of its flight path. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brian doesn't know anything about flying a plane. So he just keeps the plane going straight until it runs out of gas, and then he crash lands in a lake. So he is like possibly hundreds of miles off of where they would even expect him to be at all. Okay, but here's my thing with that whole argument that was, I thought, stupid, because most of this book is stupid. Um, Yes. He's like, when he figures that out, Cause he's like, oh, they're gonna be looking for me, and he's like, wait, but the pilot moved us off of the flight path, um, so like we could be anywhere. I'm like, okay, I don't know a lot about planes. You guys might have gathered from this podcast. I don't know a lot about anything, but I don't know a lot about planes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would assume that they occasionally, in their flight path, maybe turn. Right? Like, it's not... I don't know. It's not all straight. It's You can't possibly be planes only fly, fly straight lines ever, right? Because then only planes would only be able to go... Well, I guess maybe they can, because as the crow flies. Maybe yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah, there's no, like, you know, intersection. There is an intersection. lights in the air. <laughs> Listen, I don't know about planes. <laughs> so I guess talking it through, Brian's right and I'm a dumbass. Remember how M didn't know anything? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how straight lines work. Uh, hey, you know what, though? My plane knowledge is on par with yours, because remember when I was like, how could anyone possibly fly around the planet in less than a day? <laughs> Seems fake. I do think, though, the wild thing about this is so he does get someone on the radio mm-hmm. and is like, Please do help me. I am my name is Brian and I cannot go anymore. <laughs> I cannot go. <laughs> like, wouldn't that have given them some idea of like, okay, so he was probably going straight from this point on because he's a child who doesn't know how to fly a plane. <laughs> um I Yes, but when you when he got on the radio, because wasn't that a thing when he got on the radio? The guy was like, you need to tell me like your coordinates. I guess and Brian be. was like, I don't know my fucking coordinates. I'm a 13-year-old. I, I am a 13-year-old boy named Brian Robinson. I don't know what I'm doing. I guess that's true. They probably didn't have like GPS and stuff. Yeah. In the planes. I don't know how planes, planes work. 
I don't either. <laughs> I certainly don't know how planes work in the 80s, and you can't expect <laughs> me to. Yes, this was three years before I was born. Thank mm. you very much. So he comes up out of the water, and he has to figure out how to survive on his own in the wilds of Canada with nothing but his trusty hatchet mm. by his side. So his mom was trying to earn cool points and was like, here's a hatchet as a parting gift. See you at the end of summer. And he, like, keeps it attached to his belt loop. And I'm like, how did you not cut your leg wide open during that plane crash? I don't understand. <laughs> and also, okay, so number one thing, the whole, the fact that the hatchet was given to him by his mother is also, like, a way that they could have brought the mother thing back up. And they yeah. just didn't. And he's like, thanks, mom. I love you for giving me this hatchet. I'll forgive you for the secret of kissing a man. Uh, yeah. Or, like, again, he could have just been like, uh, adults are complicated and being an adult is hard, much like living in the wilderness is hard. I've learned this through my hatchet that my mother mm. gave me. Anyway, <laughs> that aside, also when he immediately right after he gets there, he has to, like, brush some rust off of the hatchet. It is. Yeah, it reacts way too quickly to that water. <laughs> How? I don't know much about rust. <laughs> we don't know much about a lot of things. That's how rust works. I don't think rust happens in 20 minutes. I don't think I'm going to so say 20 either. minutes is how long it took him to swim up out of the water. Because any longer than that, surely he would be dead. It seems unlikely that the hatchet rusted that fast. But yes. maybe maybe metal was bad in the 80s. I don't know. Or water. I don't or know. Water was what? really powerful. <laughs> the water. <laughs> we have It was up there now. in the wilds of northern Canada. That's like, what it is. Yep. Who knows what goes on up there? Rust, apparently. Uh, rust. It's all Everything. just rust. You go to Canada and shit just starts rusting immediately. You drive it across falls the border. Apart in your hand. You it's... drive across the border and your car just like swoop becomes yeah. rust covered. <laughs> shit sucks. Brian has to find food. And the first food he finds is a bunch of berries that give him diarrhea. <laughs> then... Of course. <laughs> but he keeps eating them. Yes, because if he didn't, he would be hungry. And you know what? I feel like the diarrhea made him more hungry. I feel (laughs) like. I don't. I I get that he was very hungry. Mm -hmm. So hungry. He like, okay. (laughs) We have to talk about the hunger because this guy is like, Brian has gone, let's say like mm, 12 12 to 24 hours without a meal. Mm hmm. And he's acting like he's ready to start being a cannibal. I think the thing that I found most unrealistic about his hunger was like, I've gone that long without eating and like just can't be bothered to go get food to (laughs) stop not eating because like I'm just lazy and possibly depressed. But like (laughs) I have a refrigerator, so I can't imagine being 24 hour hungry and being like, motivated enough to go eat some shit berries exactly that's what i'm saying like he he was just like give me these berries give me these raw eggs i have to eat something or else i'm gonna start gnawing on my fingers i it was just it was a lot for that early on i thought the thing that i feel like would be kind of more and i mean to be fair i'm over twice Brian's age at this point. So I have maybe a little more knowledge and body awareness than him. But if I ate a bunch of berries that like made me shit really bad, mm-hmm. I, and then was really hungry, 
especially if my plan was I will go back to this berry bush and pick more of these uh-huh. berries, which is a thing that he uh-huh. does. Yes, he does like, return and eats the shit berries again. <laughs> and I mean, he he eats some that he already picked, but he goes back to pick more. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would probably, instead of expending my energy on that thing that really didn't work, go like <laughs> the 20 feet further that it took him to find the fucking raspberries. To find fucking raspberries, like a, like the fruit he recognized. I'd be like, okay, this one was a definite no. <laughs> so, like... Yeah. Let's not return to this. Um, but yeah. So he finds raspberries. And then like in the middle of the night, one night a turtle comes up on the beach and lays eggs. And Brian's like, mm, eggs. And he eats them raw. It's just horrendous to me. I've seen on dumb internet TV shows, people eat like weird eggs before. And like reptile eggs generally aren't appealing from what I understand. I mean, maybe it'd be different if they're raw, but like Brian said they were better than regular think, eggs. Do you think um Gary Paulson has eaten turtle eggs? Cause he's real into these turtle eggs. Also like my question wouldn't since a turtle laid the eggs, maybe weren't there like baby turtles inside? Um, some of well, those they eggs? would have been laid at the same time. And if they had just been laid and fertilized, I don't think, turtles get baby fat like it's you know embryo situation like okay i don't know much about about i actually feel like i do know a lot about (laughs) turtle eggs because we went to that museum as a kid every summer when we went to the beach and Mm, they have a big mm -hmm. display about turtle eggs so i feel like the turtle egg gestation period is long enough that if they were freshly laid they shouldn't be there should not be shell in the shell you know uh gotcha yep (laughs) you're not gonna crunch on some baby turtle (laughs) so brian's slurping those down turtles on a half shell and eventually he learns he just learns how to make a bow and arrow i guess like okay i guess if you have nothing else to do with your time except figure out how to make a bow and arrow you'll eventually make a bow and arrow and this is is the argument that he kept making in this book was like well somebody had to invent it at some point and i guess if it's necessary enough like people will invent things and i'm like i mean i guess but you're also Mm -hmm. 13 and you also like are working with like a shoelace and like and just a random branch (laughs) and it took you like 12 hours to get a fire started so i mean like i don't know it seems like the bow and arrow yes. thing would take a little longer. But the bow and arrow thing did happen after his dark night of the soul with the skunk, which he then. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I I kind of like in my notes, I just listed like, here's the food situation. <laughs> here's the shelter situation. Here's the fire well, situation. Well, there's various <laughs> animal attacks because uh, he gets a porcupine to the leg first. Yeah. And then the animal attacks is another section. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets the skunk and the skunk the skunk sprays him so he's stinky for the rest of this book just something to have in your mind oh so good so good should have put some grape juice on that one <laughs> this is i believe right after the skunk attack or right before the point where he is like i have been changed by the wilderness <laughs> and it's like my friend you've been out here five days because literally the next chapter is like the big time jump where he's like i've been Yes, 45 yes, it's days. It's like, oh, I've been passed. out here 40, 54 days since the like plane crash and like 50 days since 
I realize that I am a wilderness god or whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You've okay, so you were out there like three to four days and you were like, I've been changed. I am superhuman now. I can sense the colors of the wind and I can hear the grinning bobcat yes. while it grins. Like, calm down, Pokemonus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he truly is like, he, there is a point where he is like, I, I, this is skipping to the to the animal attacks <laughs> part, but he is um just like picking berries in the woods, and then he turns and makes eye contact with a whole wolf pack, and the wolves all like <laughs> nod at him, and he nods back at the wolves, and they're like, "It's cool. He's a wild man. He's a forest guy." <laughs> I will say though, the precise moment when he comes to the realization that he has been changed oh so greatly by these four days in the woods was the moment I found most relatable because it did remind me of like any time I start exercising and I'm like, I'm a new person. <laughs> I can conquer the world now. The endorphins. I'm an, I'm oh, an Amazon yes. goddess. Like you've done five sit-ups. I can you've do done anything. Five you need to chill. <laughs> so Brian also has a shelter. It's like a rocky cave thing near the beach of this lake and he makes some kind of door out of branches or something. I don't know. And (laughs) after having his home invaded by a porcupine uh, that like pricks him in the leg a whole bunch, he decides he needs to figure out a way to make fire to scare off the animals. And so he uses his hatchet to hit some rocks that cause sparks that create a fire. But like M says, this takes like 12 hours for him to come up with the perfect combination of sparks and kindling. He even like tears up a $20 bill from his wallet <laughs> to try and use this kindling, which and it like, you know, it's so whatever. painstaking. Cause it's like, it has to detail. And I mean, I get it. Cause like, what else are you going to do with this book? But like, it's like, okay, so I got some, he got some dried grass that didn't work. He tried really hard to make it work. It didn't. He got a $20 bill and ripped it up. And that also didn't work. He did it like 20 times. It still didn't work. He got some sticks and that also <laughs> super didn't work. There's like Brian had to make. A yes. He talks flames. about like how he wants to make a nest for his flames to live in. And I'm like, this is also an interesting thread where Brian goes crazy and starts talking to the fire. But like, we don't get that either. I'm it's ugh, just nothing. Nope. And we just get five pages of him trying to make a fire and being bad at it and being like, <sighs> so bad. Brian had to think back to school. That was the other line that I was like, I feel like Paulson is pushing some sort of agenda here where he's like, Brian thought back to his school days and thought about if he had ever learned how to make a fire in school and he had never learned how to make a fire in school. How could that be? And I'm like, is Paulson arguing that we should be teaching 13 year olds (laughs) fire making in their classrooms? We don't need to yes, do Yes, we don't that. need the liberals in, infiltrating our children's minds with their literature and their math and their science. Was, he was busy learning about evolution when he could have been learning about how fire was formed. It was very like, um, oh, not everyone needs to go to college. People should learn trades. It, like that kind of vibe. But like for 13-year-olds where it's like, oh, he was wasting time in class yeah. and he should have been learning to make fires. It's like, I get that in this <laughs> 
exact situation where some crazy ass judge sent him to live in Canada for three months and his plane mm-hmm. and his pilot had a heart attack on the way and they crash landed in the Canadian wilderness. Yes. In that situation, it would have been helpful for this 13 year old to know how to make a fire. But for the yes. vast majority of 13 year olds, that is not a life skill that we need. Living in what I assume is New York City, because he keeps saying the city. They they have matchbooks. They have lighters with child <laughs> safety, you know, devices on them. They don't need to know how to. The ability to make fire is not something we should give to every 13 year old. Right. They don't. <laughs> let's say. They don't need it anymore. They didn't need it in the 80s yeah. either. Like, this isn't Neolithic <laughs> times. They'll be okay. <laughs> But no, here it took Brian five whole pages to make a fire. So, you know, joke's on you. You're right. Everyone should learn how to make a fire in case (laughs) they crash land in the Canadian wilderness after being sentenced to live with their father for three months out of the year on a Canadian oil rig. Like, what? (laughs) So along with making the fire, Brian also decides he should have, like, a bonfire of some sort ready to go for when he hears a plane, which I have a lot of thoughts about his plan here because it's bad. (laughs) So the only time he hears a plane coming, though, he's too far away from the fire and he can't get it lit in time for the plane to see it. And this causes Brian to become like extremely depressed and suicidal, actually, um, thinking that he will never be found. I want to put a pin in that for when you're done with this thought. Yes. But the thing about this is fast forward to the end of the book. Brian is saved by someone who was just like flying nearby and happened to hear this emergency signal he was broadcasting. We'll get to that. Um, But like the guy shows up within an hour. So I'm like, if you had just kept a signal fire going for a longer period of time than five minutes, then you probably could have been rescued a lot sooner. Or how about you do the classic help spelled out in rocks on the beach, dude? Like, come on. (laughs) Um, I also want to talk about uh, the the suicidal thing because you mentioned it. Uh, yes. I do want to point out, because this was the thing, in addition to the weird mom vibes that I super didn't remember being in this book at all. This is the other thing I did mm-hmm. not remember being in this book at all. You say he's suicidal. like, Well, he yeah, he slits his He wrist. literally tries to commit suicide. And I'm like, I read yes. this when I was like seven, maybe eight. Like, yes. I was also very surprised by that. I do not recall the part. And I mean, it's it's a little bit flowery, I suppose, in its language. It's not direct. It doesn't say like, well, Brian tried to kill himself, but he slits his wrists and that is explicit on the page. And it says that he wants it all mm-hmm. to end. And I mean, like, I guess maybe it's fine because I guess I didn't pick up on it as a kid, but like <laughs> as an adult reading back, I was like, fuck, like this is like a book that is assigned in schools to a lot of kids. And like, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't like children shouldn't read difficult materials, but like, I feel like the vibe of it is never this harsh, harsh story about like depression and you know, the, the reality of the, the harsh reality of the world. I feel like the vibe of it that when it was suggested to me and like when I read it and had to read it for class Uh was like, it's a fun wilderness romp. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this this whole scene had the vibe of like if you just go to the gym and work out, you won't be depressed anymore. Cause basically Brian's yeah. like, Oh, 
I'm going to be happy from now on. I'm not going to be sad. And then he's like, "Mm, depression over. (laughs) Right? It was like, it was trying to make a point. It was like using it as a plot device, right? To where Brian is reborn and now he's new Brian who is tough and good at nature, right? But it really made light of actual, like, depression and suicidal thoughts because he was just like well fix yourself right like what a stupid way to feel and and it's a little bit um again just like a weird choice it just there's a lot of weird choices in this book in like what is explicit and what isn't Mm -hmm. where it's just like yeah because he can't even bring himself to say my mom kissed a guy she wasn't married to. It's just like, I saw the secret. <laughs> right. And then like this whole thing, it's like where it's literally like on the page that like he is slitting his wrists. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, that's a But apparently isn't good at I it, guess. which was the other thing that I was like, ooh. <laughs> I mean, I guess for the best, but like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, but like for the author to be like, Brian tried to kill himself, but wasn't good at it. Like it says that in the book, I'm pretty sure. Like I don't think. <laughs> I'm extrapolating here all. I'm pretty sure he was like, Brian couldn't do it well enough. <laughs> right. Like, so we lived. <laughs> it, it's a very, a very strange inclusion when the same, like, especially because it isn't ever revisited, you know, ever in this book. It's not like, oh, Brian thought back on those dark days when he had won it. You know, like nothing like that comes up. It's literally like this happens. Right. He tries to kill himself. He decides to pull himself up by his bootstraps and like tough it out and be a man and go eat more turtle eggs. And he's like, except not really because the skunk <laughs> ate all of his eggs at that point. He was very sad about it. Um, Goddamn skunk. <laughs> but like, it's this weird moment where it's like, okay, so again, like the divorce thing where it's like, it keeps bringing up this stuff and the book isn't about that stuff. And it's like, why are we no, bringing yeah. it up? We don't have time to get into it in this like a hundred whatever page of book. Right. Yeah. He just like threw it in there for flavor. Like, mm. right. Would you like a, would you like an adventure novel with a nice tasty side of depression and suicidal tendencies? Here you go. It's, it's so weird. And I, it's probably like two paragraphs of this book so like why was it in there at all like why was it exactly just cut you can talk about like brian feeling helpless like you could have had a whole chapter probably of scenes where brian just mopes around camp and stops eating and like yeah you know isn't motivated to do anything and that gets the point across just as well as brian took his hatchet and sliced his wrists up like that's so like fucking weird It's weird. It was a weird choice. (laughs) And I don't remember it being in this book. Yeah. You would think that would be something like, especially you, afraid of the vicious canids. Like, this would be something that you would remember and hold on to. Like, oh, that really traumatized me. Or, you know. I guess. I guess I. uh, I mean, it's good it didn't. But I, I not only don't remember it being in this book, I have heard people talk about this book since then like as an adult i've heard like i i've heard it discussed on another podcast like i've heard it um like referenced by people when writing reviews but like i don't think anyone brings up the fact that there's a scene where a 13 year old tries to slit his wrist like i don't remember that being part of the zeitgeist i guess we all just maybe we're all just skimming the book i guess i don't know we're all just like brian trying to make it through yeah yike so (laughs) All of that happens. There's the animal encounters. We've kind of already gone over. Like, he sees some bears. He sees some wolves. 
the bears and the wolves are all like, you are one with nature and therefore you are one of us animals. So none of them ever like attack him or try to eat him or anything except the skunk who sprays him in the face. Um, and the moose. And, and the fucking moose. <laughs> so Brian's just like minding his own business. I'm going to do some fishing in the lake. And all of a sudden this moose just comes up and beats the living shit out of him. It, like, throws him into the lake and tries to drown him, breaks his ribs. It's just, like, tossing Brian the rag doll around. And I was like, what did you what did you do to Moose, man? Like, You don't have to do anything to a Moose. Moose just want to fight. Apparently. Moose knows you can't Is fuck with a Moose. Is that a thing? Are Moose just assholes? Um, here's the thing. I don't know because I don't know much about anything, especially Mooses. I'm going to Google, are Moose assholes? My suspicion would be... Meese are so large that they know you can't fuck with them. So they just do whatever the fuck they want. Because they're fucking huge, man. <laughs> they are humongous. I have seen a moose in real life, um, and it was very big. It's upsetting. Very intimidated. It's upsetting how large they are. Holy shit. I'm, like, watching this gif right now um, on Reddit of a moose just rampaging through the snow. And it's a little bit terrifying. So, yeah, maybe this is the most realistic part of the book. I don't yeah. know. Moose is going to fuck you up. Don't fuck with moose. Moose are going to moose, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian, after the moose attack, like, claws his way back to his shelter and is like, ooh, I need to nurse my broken body. But then a fucking tornado hits. I didn't uh, <laughs> I didn't know Canada had tornadoes, but apparently they do. I looked it up. So, like. I guess, yeah. I I mean, it was the summer, and so well, it was like the almost about to be fall, so like hot and warm, hot and cold air, I guess, mm-hmm. make tornado. But this exact spot seems to have had a tornado happen right before Brian landed, also, which is a little bit like that's that's one tornado too many to happen in the exact same spot. Oh, I s- super didn't catch that. Well, because he was like, oh, some terrible windstorm knocked down all of these trees. They're like uprooted trees. So I'm just like. forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, tornadoes do happen. You should know. You're from Kansas. Tornadoes can happen in the same place. But like. It's not lightning. But in the exact same little, like, little, little area. I don't know. It seems like. Okay. I don't know much about tornadoes, but. (laughs) because we've established we don't know a lot about a lot they don't just like pop up in the one spot and then go away it's not like a dmd windstorm situation they travel so like if there was like a tornado that popped up in the area like i i can buy that there were two tornadoes in the same area in the same period i mean like tornado alley man like that's there's just tornadoes all over that bitch (laughs) Yeah, I guess there's just like some places you don't want to live in. Northern Canada is one of them. Yeah, I mean, like I've I've had uh, tornadoes happen in my neighborhood within like, and I say neighborhood as in like in my area, not like my literal neighborhood within like <laughs> right down. She lives right next to a tornado. You guys are weird new neighbor. <laughs> Coming this fall, the CVS, <laughs> the tornado next door. <laughs> two broke tornadoes <laughs> the joke is that one is a tornado and the other is just a hot mess that's the joke <laughs> so the tornado comes and destroys brian's whole camp but he survives i think he gets like some wood knocked into his head or something but he's basically except for the damage the moose had already done to him relatively unharmed from the tornado but he's back at square one he has his hatchet and that's about it 
silver lining, the tornado also threw the crashed plane up onto the beach. So I guess it was in the middle of the lake, maybe. I don't know. But it was completely submerged. And now the tail end of it is sticking up out of the water in a way that Brian's like, I could get inside there. There's a survival pack inside the plane. I could I could build a raft out of logs and swim out to the plane and pilfer the goods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he does this because Brian knows how to build a raft, apparently. Yeah, he was like, I have to build a raft using logs that have branches so that I can weave the branches together so that the raft, I don't have any twine or rope or anything. So this is how the raft is going to stay together. I cannot picture this in my mind. Can you help me with this? I can't either. (laughs) And my thought is that this makes no sense because... We've already established that Brian has magical weaving abilities because you said like, oh, build the raft. Yeah. And I was like, eh, I can I can buy that he can build a raft more than I can buy that he can weave a fucking fishnet out of willow leaves, which is a thing that he does. Yeah. There's a Apparently. lot of stuff in here that I'm like, I used to work, well, not work, but volunteer at a like living history museum. And I've done some of the hands on like history stuff. And you don't just like pick up weaving leaves together that quickly you know like it's it <laughs> takes some time and skill and effort and like knowledge how to do a lot of these like things that brian is just oh i just built a bow and arrow oh i just built a fish trap it's like you're 13 I just did it. you you didn't <laughs> but yeah so the raft thing i don't understand why he didn't just like use his magical weaving abilities to weave some like net rope out of the willows again and just use that instead of or so he says like i need a raft because i need something in the water to help me balance while Mm. i'm trying to tear into this airplane i think i think is the reasoning because he doesn't really use it but i'm like why didn't you just like take a log? why not just take one log i guess it would be harder to stand on one log right like because it would roll if they're all tied together they're not going to roll. I was thinking he could have it just like under his armpits. Like oh, a pool see, I was thinking. And just hack at the airplane. I was thinking he was standing on the raft and hacking on it like that. Because oh, that would see, that could too. leave both of his arms free to hack. And it would also get him higher up, which would be out of the water more. So it'd be easier to hack it. But that could be. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So he chops in the side of the airplane, but he dro- he drops his hatchet in, in the lake first. So he has to like go diving around on the bottom of the lake bed to find his hatchet. And then he goes back to chopping. And then he gets inside and he's swimming around and he's like, oh, shit, that dead guy's in here. And, and then just like in a cartoon, the pilot's dead body like turns to face Brian and his face is just a skeleton because the fish have been eating his bones. This part I did remember. And Brian just throws up underwater. <laughs> which to me is very funny because then that means he's just like swimming in his own vomit for a while. Um, I mean, he threw up it's in okay. his cave and just lived with it for like, yeah, he had diarrhea in his cave yeah. and just lived in it. And just tried I mean, to clean it as best as he could, which I've seen how 13 year old boys clean stuff. And that shit was not clean. I can tell you right it's now. Not. Like, he it was, is not clean at all. He's no. just this. Just imagine the smell of this situation, because you've got this thirteen-year-old boy. That's probably what's keeping the animals away. Right? Let's be real. Like it's not the fire; it's your bodily fluids. <laughs> this thirteen-year-old boy who shot in the corner of this cave, didn't clean it up properly, mm-hmm. got nope. sprayed by a skunk, has been living with like no soap for like 
two months and keeps cooking mm-hmm. fish in his cave. Like, just imagine the stench of that place. <laughs> it sounds awful. Ugh. Anyway, he gets the survival pack, brings it back to camp, and is full of many delights. It has matches, a sleeping bag, fishing gear, a gun, dehydrated meals, and this thing he thinks is just a radio that's, like, it's preserved in the plastic bag so it didn't get water on it. And he just turns it on, and he's like, mm, it's busted, and he just throws it somewhere in the corner of his house. And he goes to, like, cook himself a... (laughs) He goes to, he goes like, rehydrate himself some food, I guess. And he's making a feast. And as he's cooking, a plane lands on the lake, and he comes to save him. And so, okay, the emergency signal has been on for... How long do you think it would take to to rehydrate a dehydrated food product? Like, Like, I don't know, I'm thinking, like, an hour. I was thinking, like, 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, see, we don't know a lot about anything. So (laughs) within this time frame of 20 minutes to an hour, a plane has heard his emergency signal and come and landed at the place where he hears the emergency signal coming from. Bitch probably could have seen a signal fire, too, from that distance. (laughs) But, you know, whatever. It's fine. And the guy's like... You're that kid that was missing. They stopped looking for you ages ago. <laughs> cool, cool, cool thing to say to somebody. Thanks, thanks for letting me know. Your parents have thought you were dead for months. <laughs> cool. Well, the Thank family you. of that pilot were right because he is. He is dead. Yeah. We also there's no really, happy ending for those people. We don't really engage with that plot line either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just like, he, I don't even think that pilot gets a name. He's just like this fat guy that had a heart attack. Yep. It's very rude. And Brian's like, cool. And then there's an epilogue. And Brian's like, I had to give some interviews, went on TV. Some guy was going to write a book about me, but that didn't pan out. Wink. LOL. Um, parents are still divorced. I'm not going to tell my dad about the secret I saw. The end. Cool. What a cool story. Very cool, very neat. I'm so glad. What was the Um, point of any of this? That's the thing. Okay, so we get the survival book, but then we don't even see how the survival has changed Brian Right. And I guess that's that's kind of maybe left for the sequels in, I believe, one version. In the version in which he stays through the winter, he eventually gets rescued by Kree fur trappers. And then goes back to civilization. Uh-huh. And then in the sequels to that is like, ha- eventually goes to see a child psychologist. And that guy's like, you should just go live in the woods because that's where you belong. So Brian does. Wow. And then in the other version, he like is hired by the government to like go live in the woods to do some like. Oh my God. To like of teach people. You're the only boy who has ever <laughs> lived in the woods for any period of time. You're hired for our top secret government project that's about the woods. We couldn't find anyone else for this project, but you, a child, must do it. And they like were planning on bringing supplies and he's like, no, no. <laughs> I've got the only supply I need. My hatchet. And he touches his hatchet, yeah. which he still keeps exactly, on his belt loop exactly. to this day. So I guess from that, we can extrapolate that Brian got changed by this by being fucked up and unable to live within normal society anymore. But that's certainly not yeah, stated in Yeah, even society book. has rejected him. They're like, no, you are a mountain man. Go back. We do not want you in our city anymore. 
You've seen too many things. You've pooped too many poops. You still smell like that damn skunk. Okay, so what what are you looking for in a survival book different from this one? As we different, move forward. Okay. I need more than one character. Okay. I need there to be some dialogue okay. that isn't like him talking to his hatchet or the fire or anything. Like, I just, I need that. I would like probably not middle grade. Okay. Uh, I know there are a lot of adventure mm-hmm. and survival books for this age group, but I think I'm, I've read hatchet and yeah. now I want something a little bit older. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I'm trying to think of something else that because that's that, that still leaves it very like wide open for you. But I guess we have to read another book first, and then I can extrapolate more. Yeah, we got to read the next one, which I will say we're not going to tell. I'm not going to tell you or our audience what it is yet, but I do know what our next book in this unit is going to be, um, and I think it will address some of these issues. But I think it's going to have a whole okay. other slew of issues that it will bring up. I'm very excited for us Perfect. to get into it. I think it's going to be a mess. <laughs> It's not going to be Lord of the Flies. No, 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 no. Not going to be Lord of the okay. Flies. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, maybe going back to answering your question that we already moved on from, maybe also like it could include a little bit more of what the effects of the survival sure. are. Okay. But that's not something you can tell until you read the book. Yeah. So I mean, know. I could skip to the That'd end. Just be an added bonus. There, yeah. yeah. I just read the last four chapters of every book in the survival genre. <laughs> so now that we've, we're done talking about the survival book for this fortnight, um, what? Because I, I, I struggled. I, I struggled with I this one, too. and I looked through every single book that I have read. I haven't read any good books lately. Is mm. the thing is is like a big problem. I haven't read any super good books lately. Um, what would you have? What would you um have wished to be reading instead? <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so this is like a huge stretch because like you, this is not a genre that I read currently. I definitely have mm-hmm. read, I like read a lot of books um, like Hatchet in the past when I was a kid. Like I read all the uh, Jean Craighead George and like the Island of the Blue that. Dolphins and all that shit. I do know that. Uh, Julie of the Wolves, I think was one of Jean Craighead George yeah. maybe. Uh, My Side of the Mountain. Anyway, um, but I haven't read them in years and I like Hatchet. I have no idea how they would hold up. So I feel like I can't really recommend those. So I I guess I'm going to go with it's a big stretch, but I'm going to recommend Huntress by Melinda Lowe, which is okay. not at all survival because it is a f- high fantasy setting. Um, but it does have some it's more of a journey book than like a survival okay. book. But there is some like we're going on a trip and we're outdoors, but they stop at a lot of towns too. So it's really not, but I kind of mm. hate survival stuff now. Like I don't like the yeah, camping see, scenes like, in books, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's actually the prequel to another book um, called Ash, which is a Cinderella retelling. Okay. And it's, it's an <clears throat> interesting read. There's a lot of um, high fantasy elements. If you're into that, lots of uh, interesting magic systems and, um, and some romance, although not necessarily a happy ending, if I'm remembering correctly. So uh, maybe check well, that out. You know me. Because I, it is a prequel, I'll read so. any genre if you can dress it up with some fantasy. So. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. 
Um, I don't know. I, I still, I feel like I've already suggested this book for this podcast. Um, but the, uh, Beauty Queens by Liva Bray. Oh, I don't think you have. I don't think you have. Okay. So this is a book, um, about contestants of a beauty pageant that get stranded on an island. Um, like, I think they're there, like they're purposefully brought there for the competition, but Mm -hmm. then... They, I think it's a plane crash, isn't it? I don't Maybe? remember. I don't remember either. It's been a while. Um, yeah, and I and I read the audiobook, so like the details don't stick in my mm, mind sure. as well, because I'm just I'm not very good at listening. But <laughs> the author, Libba Bright, does read the audiobook version and it is very good. Um But yeah, so it's like this funny, like tongue-in-cheek survival yeah. book where the beauty pageant contestants all turn out to be pretty badass also along the way and it's it's good i very much enjoyed it yeah i really liked that one when i i think i read it when it first came out which is it's been a little while it's um, been a long time yeah but it, it like it, it's playing with that trope a lot of like yeah uh kind of the expectations of women specifically to turn on each other and they definitely mm-hmm. don't no yeah it's real and it's all like girls from different walks of life too. Mm-hmm. And one who like is kind of gaming the beauty yeah. pageant system. Like she's pretending to be a beauty pageant girl, but she's really like this punky yeah. journalist type, you know? And she's like trying <laughs> to say that being this type of girl is a bad way to be. But then like, as she goes along and she gets to know them, she's like, Oh, there's more to you guys than just you put on makeup and put fancy dresses on and stuff. So yeah, it's a fun book. Yeah. Yeah. Girls, being friends with girls, it's great. Always a plus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I think that pretty much wraps us up for this Mm -hmm. episode, right? So we got to talk about what's coming up next. So next next episode is going to be another Animorphs. Um, Mm -hmm. Number 11. Which is The Secret, right? Or the... No, no, the the Forgotten, maybe? The Forgotten. The Forgotten. Yeah. I think that's it's a Jake it. POV. I think it is the forgotten because I laughed really hard when I was editing our last Animorphs episode and couldn't remember the title of it because it's the forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's next. <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's next, and then after that, I believe we will be kicking off my next unit. Is that yeah? Would that be right? Tell our lovely listeners what that'll be. So it's going to be another children's book to start, which is great. But because uh, I am reads. feeling so blessed in 2020 to have not read a long <laughs> book yet. It's so right. good. It is today, January 27th. I have read. Let me just humble brag here. I have read seven books so far this year, and only one of them has been like novel length. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be, and I, I want to address something about this at the top, at the start of this, um, but I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more on the second episode of the unit, but we're going to be doing magical realism, and the book mm-hmm. that we are starting with is the first book that is deemed by a lot of people magical realism that I didn't actually read but had read to me as a bedtime story, Uh <laughs> Uh, Skellig by David Almond. And I want to address this at the top because I know that there is some, um, not controversy, but like opinions that magical realism is a specifically Latinx 
genre that you have to be a Latinx writer or at least from a colonized culture for it to count Mm -hmm. as part of that genre. Um, For at least the first book, I'm going to include non-Latinx authors. Obviously, David Allman is British. Um, And I think we will... I assume probably get into that discussion more in episode two, but I did want to like, you know, I'm aware of that, that that is a discussion that some people do not consider non Latinx authors to be able to write magical realism. And I'm not discrediting that at all. Uh, I'm just saying that this is deemed magical realism by some and maybe a better title for the genre or for this unit might be like magical realism and fantabulism, but we're going to, Stick with magical realism for now, but I wanted to go ahead and put that out there so that people, like, we're aware of the conversation. We're not, yes, you know, covering all of our bases by giving you this disclaimer. So that's going to be two weeks from now. Yes. So look forward to that. Um, In the meantime, if you need to get in touch with us because we are idiots and didn't know the details of your favorite subject of airplane or eggs (laughs) or literally anything, you can tweet at us at ShuffleWareCast or email us ShuffleWareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you. <laughs> Come back again. Got there. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. <clears throat> we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should because they're. Come on, just do it. <laughs> what a persuasive argument. <laughs> Nike, just do it. <laughs> If you use Apple Podcasts, we would definitely appreciate a five-star review. And even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can talk about us anywhere you would like on the internet or in real life. You can go to a bookstore and just write in every book that we've done an episode on, listen (laughs) to our podcast. Please don't write in them. Do it. Deface property that doesn't belong to you. And then leave and never return to that bookstore because you shouldn't. They will have a picture of you on the wall. You're not going to be allowed back in there. That's a crime. You've done a crime. (laughs) (laughs) But a crime in our honor. So thanks. (laughs) In the words of Gary Paulson. There were many questions in his mind about what he had seen and known. And he worked at research when he got back, identifying the game and berries Gut cherries were termed choke cherries and made good jelly. The nut bushes where the fool birds hid were hazelnut bushes. The two kinds of rabbits were snowshoes and cottontails. The fool birds were ruffled grouse, also called fool hens by trappers for their stupidity. The small food fish were bluegills, sunfish, and perch. The turtle eggs were laid by a snapping turtle, as he had thought. The wolves were timber wolves, (laughs) which are not known to attack or bother people. Hold on, gotta I'm get falling working. asleep, Em. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> the wolves were timber wolves, which, were, which are not known to attack or bother people. The moose was a moose. <laughs> Fuck that moose, dude. <laughs> uh. Which is mm-hmm. um, Skellig by uh, someone. Hold on, let me look that up real quick. David Almond. David Almond. Almond? Yeah, Almond. Yeah, like, okay. like, like the, the nut. nut. 